0: Mac Power Users, episode 283, Workflows with Adam Lissigore. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie. How are you today?
1: Hey, David. I'm great. How are you?
0: Excellent. And we've got our friend Adam Lissagor back on the show. Adam, it's been many years since you were on the show, but uh, mm-hmm. but thank you for coming back.
2: Thanks for having me. It's fun to be here.
0: Yeah. Um, so everybody who doesn't know Adam, he is the proprietor of Sandwich Video. And if you go to sandwichvideo.com on the internet, you'll see some really amazing advertising that he's done over the years. And it's a it's a really great origin story. We covered it in the the last show, but Adam made a commercial for an app he was involved in. And the app did okay, but the commercial was so amazing that other people wanted him to do commercials for their apps. And now you've turned it into something kind of big. Mm-hmm. And and so when we first started, when we talked to our last show, you were really getting the thing off the ground. And now um, you've grown this sandwich video. You have nine employees, according to the mm-hmm. website. And um, it's a... Um, you know, it's much bigger than it was when we last spoke, and and I, I definitely want to talk about some video production and and some of the production stuff you do later in the show. But but I thought a really good jumping off point to having you back would be, wow, Adam, you've gone from a guy who had a great idea and could make cool videos to a guy who has a whole team of people working for him, and uh, how's that going for you?
2: It's really fun. I feel like it's my life's work, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, to the extent that. Um, my life's work is something outside of having a family, um, and cultivating my personal relationships. I never thought that I would, you know, t- five, 10 years ago, I never thought that I'd be in the position of really caring about things like making a business sustainable and how do, um, how to, uh, in- improve company culture and, engender the creative spirit and serve clients and keep it pure and do things for the right reasons and all while making money all all of that stuff is not stuff that um i thought when i was going to college that i would be caring at, at all about but now it occupies my every waking moment and i really honestly couldn't be more fulfilled and that just that list you
0: just read it actually made me tired listening to it. So thinking, I know. Oh my <laughs> gosh. How do you keep track of all, because these things are, a lot of these things are not necessarily hand in hand. Sometimes, uh, you know, making money gets in the way of culture or culture, you know, just there's all sorts of conflict
2: in there. Oh, absolutely. Um, personally speaking, I, my, my, I have a lot of my uh, respect for my dad because my, my, well, both my parents, uh, obviously, but my, my dad, um, I always saw him as sort of an entrepreneur, um he was a children's dentist he's retired now he's still um, sort of he works in the field um going to the third world and serving serving the underserved but um back in the day as as early as I can remember he had opened up a dental dental practice that was sort of marketed in a specific creative way um around the idea of like basically like spaceships and um Star Trek, Star Wars, fictionalized, you know, fun for kids to have while they're at the dentist. Uh, He was the spaceship dentist. Um, And then, you know, sort of franchised that out into a few different offices. And um, everybody knew him when I was a kid and everybody knew this like sort of fun story that when you go to this spaceship dentist office, like you press a button and the doors are mechanical and everything looks like a spaceship and there's control panels everywhere. Um, you know, with blinking lights and there's video monitors everywhere for watching when you're getting your teeth worked on, and um, you know everything has like uh, you know the the reception says pre pre flight check in in neon, and it's like this spaceship themed. It's like you know, it's like a theme yeah. restaurant except a, de- a dentist office.
1: Do they have Can that I, for adults? Man. I'd like that.
2: <laughs> what would the theme what would be what would be the theme of choice if you had a theme for your dentist I'm, office? I'm cool
1: with spaceship thing. Let's do that.
2: <laughs> I think Katie's just fine with Star Trek. I think just leave it right there.
1: Yeah, beat me up into the dentist. Yeah. yeah
2: you I know, and it and it, it was pre- it was pretty cool just to see how a creative spin on something as conflicted as going to the dentist could, could become and watching him have some success from that. It was really fun. And so I always kind of thought of him not as a dentist, but as a kind of a pretty skilled marketer. Um, And, and, but I never thought I would follow suit. Sorry. I never thought I would follow suit. I just thought that I was kind of an artistic kid who would, uh, you know, eventually go on to film school and hopefully become a director, filmmaker, an artiste. And um, it turns out that I sort of followed in his footsteps in a similar way, taking something that can otherwise be fairly dry, which is um, communicating the values of tech products and putting a different spin on it um, well, and, and growing a business out of that. I mean, it is. I mean, when we did the,
0: the show with you before, I remember you had uh, links to – youtube videos and there was like i think there's like seven or eight of them and mm-hmm. and now you go to lonely sandwich or sandwich com, and mm-hmm. you go and there's like so many companies that you have worked with slack i mean some of the favorite companies that we've talked about on the show um tonks warby parker one password who's our sponsor sure um you know so many of these companies and each one of them I mean, you know, none of these videos are like mail it in videos. These are just amazing, really great I'm mean, marketing. And I, I know I'm biased because you're, you're so much in my demographic. I mean, your dad mm-hmm. was a spaceship dentist. That just explains one of the reasons why I love you so much, <laughs> um, but they're really great videos. And
2: where was it? I saw you on TV recently. I mean, you had some of your commercials go on TV. Yeah. I'm the true car guy. Cause a, so we do like this ad campaign for a true car, um, And so like, that's how probably I get most of the recognition just because people are sick of seeing my dumb face on their TVs.
0: Yeah. But it's just kind of awesome that, you know, you've been able to do this and, and, uh, and there's so much to this. I want to, I really want to pick this apart, but I think the first place I'd start is to say, uh, you know, about the time we recorded the last show, this thing really took off for you. Mm -hmm. And at what point did you say, man, I can't do all this alone anymore?
2: Um, funny enough, it goes back to my dad again. Like I was probably a year or a year and a half into, into doing the business by myself from the second bedroom in my apartment. Uh, everything was breaking, you know, I had, I had maxed out capacity and my relationship was breaking and my health was breaking and everything was just breaking. And I talked to my dad on the phone. He said, you know, you, you could consider taking on an employee and the, the, the thought of that was about as scary as, you know, the thought of like bringing a child into the universe. Yeah, I get um, it. When you are, when you're, when you're a um, a, a childless um, person, uh, frightening. So, uh, because I didn't know that I could take on that responsibility and be, and be responsible for somebody else's livelihood in, in that way. Um, but it, it started to make sense like, okay, sure, like that is a, get- I'm always a big believer. One of the reasons I'm a technology enthusiast is because I believe in the ideal, uh, uh, the idealized vision that technology extends human capabilities. And so it makes plenty of sense that by combining forces, by taking on the power of another human being, we can extend our own human capabilities. That's kind of just like a no brainer. Um, And that's what an employee, <laughs> that's what an employee is, right? This is the very definition of an employee is somebody who can do, help you do more than what you can do by yourself. Yeah. Um, well, so it made a lot of sense. Sorry, go ahead, Katie.
1: No. Well, how do you start that process? So you come to the conclusion of, okay, I, I, I can't do this all by myself anymore. I, I really need some help. I mean, gosh. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we would say, I'm just going to go put an ad in the newspaper, but that's that's certainly not even what we what we do anymore. How do, how do you even find someone and then figure out, are we compatible, you know, much less yeah, you know, d- devote the time and energy to, to hiring this person? You know, I know as someone who's had to hire and, and fire employees in, in the past, that's, that's one of the hardest things to do is to find the right person and, and make the right fit. And you spend so much time and effort doing that. And if you make a wrong choice, it can just be disastrous.
2: It can be disastrous. And you, it feels like there's so much at stake. And I feel like one of the lessons that I've learned over the years is how valuable the good ones are. And you know, that if if you take on a bad one now and again, it's not, you can make it not as disastrous, but that's kind of a, a tangent. Um, I, I God, no, this is a tangent, but I read this document, I read this slideshow that's the Netflix, like, company culture slideshow. Oh, yeah. It's this pitch deck of 140 slides that say how you essentially lays out what Netflix's company culture is. And one of the things that they, they repeat over and over again is um, they, you know, they keep the people, the A, the people who are 10 out of 10 or the A, the A team, they keep them around as long as they can. And then the people who are less than that, the B team, they offer them a generous severance package. And I just loved the phrasing of that. Like you basically just have to, Remember that it's okay that you're actually, your company is growing from, by involving the best people possible and anything that's less than that you have to do. You have to make it your, make it your mission and, and stick to the strategy of, of keeping them, you know, out of the (laughs) the company. It sounds so callous to say because, well, God, it's been, it's, it's just the weirdest thing. Is it, I think, is it, is it called the Dunning Kruger effect, right? The or the, the uh, Dunning Kruger principle, what people who are incompetent don't have the competence to know they're incompetent. Is that the one? It,
0: uh, the it sounds me. like, I don't it know. Sounds, it sounds
2: yeah. like it sounds yeah. familiar. Well, a cognitive can,
1: bias where an unskilled individual suffer from illusionary supremacy.
2: Yeah, yes.
0: Mistakenly assessing
1: their ability. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, so now, if so, I admit I don't know about that, does that mean that? I'm, you just admitted I'm it, so you're confident.
2: <laughs> no, no. See, but that's the thing is that I think that uh, that's what kind of can make it hardest to let somebody go. I don't know why we're talking about firing people now. But it can make it hardest to let somebody go because they don't. If they, if they're the if they're incompetent to the point where they don't know they're incompetent, then it comes as a total surprise because they can't see that they're performing uh, at a lesser standard than you, you want them to, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. I think the original answer to the question was I did what to, in order to find the right person, I did what we do in, in the modern age. And I took advantage of my Twitter, you know, my Twitter following. And I went out and I said, I think the post that I made um, at the time was I'm, it's time for me to take on a person. Um, Cause I, at that point, I think I like, friends and stuff knew that I had a company and that I was doing it by myself. And like this idea that I was then taking it to the next step and involving another person was kind of important to me. So I just started getting, you know, I got a handful of resumes in and um, I met with a half dozen people and most of them were not that interesting. Um, I met with two in particular that were really interesting. Um, Both of them had found this, you know, opportunity through Twitter Um, one of them was, uh, a really impressive guy named Jim Fields, who was living in Shanghai at the time, or in, sorry, in in Beijing and doing all the video for Nokia in-house, um, doing industrial videos for Nokia. And he was really super talented and smart and he was very young and he basically found an excuse to come to LA so he could, um, so we could have lunch and I could interview him and he was super impressive and I really liked him a lot. Um, and then I met with another fella, JP, uh, JP Bowles, who was working as the in-house editor at, uh, William Morris Endeavor, one of the, the big talent agencies in in LA. He was the, basically the guy on staff who was headed up the editorial department where they, um, they make, um sizzle reels for their clients, the, you know, all the celebrities that are working on projects that he was the guy who basically like had to put together little video packages, um, for them. I I Um, just learned the
0: word sizzle recently. I went, yeah, I went to
2: the Disney's, uh, convention thing and
0: the Mm -hmm. head of their, uh, feature films did like an hour presentation and he kept saying, show me the sizzle. Let's see the sizzle. And then they put (laughs) up a, I didn't know that was a thing. And it's like a, it's a 30 second video with like, with sizzle in it
2: yeah did it sizzle
0: oh man it did and now it's a whole thing in a sparks house we're all we we're all using the word now
2: oh
0: no <laughs> i did good uh, in school today dad well show me the sizzle
2: let me see it <laughs> that's amazing I,
0: and, and i met jp because you uh he came on spoiler right mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we were in san francisco for something i don't know if it was wwdc or mm-hmm. MacWorld or something and Backworld, probably and, and 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 you and i bumped into each other and this guy next to you uh, started talking to me and I'm like, holy, you know what? This guy's really smart. And, mm-hmm. and then I find out, oh, he works
2: for Adam, of course. <laughs> yeah. And he's great. And you know what I, what I knew, what, okay. So first of all, JP, we, he, we met for coffee. He, um he had this super cool cush job in the entertainment industry, um, making good money. And, but he came, he was, uh he knew, he knew the work, he knew sandwiches work he was the thing that tipped me off that he was a winner is that he was a big, um, daring fireball reader. Um, a Gruber fanboy just like me. And, um, and he brought, he brought his, his demo, like some of his portfolio on his iPad, which back then was like, it was pretty early to do that still. Yeah. And we looked at his work together. We talked through stuff and I just liked him a lot. And, um, yeah, I, I brought him on. Um, and you know, the, to, Katie, the other, the other answer to the question I, I feel like is like, what are you even, who, who are you even looking for? What position are you trying to fill? I think that, I mean, you guys know because the, the uh, I feel like there's a template sort of set out. Like if you're starting out, if you, even if you're an independent, uh, um, lawyer, there's like, you know what it means to take on help. Probably you, if you're taking on help, you're not, hiring a partner or something you're not bringing on a partner that's yeah. you know um they, that has parity with you you're you're hiring um i don't know what is the first person you're hiring if you if you're an independent well, usually it, they call an associate yeah, an or, associate associate okay. or
1: depends on if you okay. want like an assistant or if you want right
2: yeah so but even that you have to determine what wh- what is the hole that you're trying to fill like what who's going to fill in those gaps um and are you trying to double your capabilities or are you trying to complement them? Um, and so that was even those were questions that I had. So I ended up finding a young, smart kid who could who I thought was going to be more of like an assistant or a right hand man or just like organize my schedule, kind of some clerical stuff, help me with the books, things like that. Um, and it turned out that he was pretty terrible at that stuff and he didn't care about doing it. So it was like really conflicted. And you know, after a few months uh, that we were working together but he was really talented filmmaker. Um, So a job opportunity came in, uh, sorry, a a client opportunity. It was a smaller thing um, called um, poll everywhere. Um, Poll as in P O L L. And it was this cool app that you could, that presenters could use for live polling their, their audiences um, where they, you could put, you could plug in basically a, um an interactive slide in your in your deck that would ask the users a que- the, the audience a question and they could use the app to answer the question and you would get results in real time it was really neat um, but they didn't have a lot of money and I already had a full slate of projects and I thought wouldn't it be interesting if I if I could see if JP could take this on as a director and sort of spearhead and he ended up bringing on a lot of his projects Um, former classmates from Loyola uh, Marymount here in town and they were all stellar and stellar young eager um, crew and he hit it out of the park with this video and not only did it like now give me a revitalized um, interest in in you know keeping JP on as like a sort of a in a creative capacity but it also surprisingly proved out this model that I didn't have to be the only person directing stuff, and yeah, then we could, in a very small way, it was proving out the, the studio model, which is that you have multiple people, to, you know, doing projects at once, and real, which is this is basically where we've taken the company to this point. Yeah, a really
0: smart person once told me that you know when you have a new employee, your job is to train them to replace you. Yeah, and. I think there's a lot of truth to that, and um, absolutely, yeah. But now, now as you're going through the process of talking to people, like even the first one, because I know Adam, you're you're a geek like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Are you like, are you just like sitting down and having coffee with them? Are you like taking notes? Are you? I mean, how do you? Are you using technology at all at this point, or is it just? Are you talking enough?
2: about um, interviewing employees or like yeah. client talking to clients? Oh, well, inter- inter- let's start employees. with the employees. No, I just love to have chats. Like yeah. if I meet if I meet somebody in person, I just sit down and have coffee with them or have lunch. Or like I'm a big believer in sharing a meal. Um, one of my favorite things to do is share a meal with with people, whether it's in a business context or otherwise. Um, and like I said, I just met with the sto- a storyteller for NASA, and we just sat for with, with coffee for an hour and like talked about favorite movies and things. Nice. And it was it was pretty awesome. And if you can do that. Ostensibly under the rubric of your job, then what what could be better?
0: Then you're living right. Yeah. As they say. Um, But then, but JP was was the first of many and you've grown this thing to now, including yourself, nine employees. And um, that is not, that is impressive, you know, that you were able to do that and still make time to make films. Quite often when people start to grow a company like this, you know, going back to the studio model, uh, you spend all your time administrating and not enough doing the creative stuff. Has that True. been an issue for
2: you? No. The second smart thing that I did was f- find somebody to run the business for me, essentially, and like somebody who really cares about systems. Um, and like there, there were there there have been, you know, we're a team of nine people now. Um, but uh, I ha- I have a guy on the team named Shady Elnashai. Um, and he is, he basically runs the business. He's, um, on the site, he says, it says managing director. And he, um, he basically, this is a guy who has a spreadsheet with every movie he's ever seen. And he's a cinephile. If there ever was one, um, he's seen thousands and thousands and thousands of movies and he knows who, who he saw each one with and how he felt about it and who, you know, what were the circumstances? And he just systematizes everything. And this is a, a guy who likes to um, figure out the most efficient systems behind every process. And he used to be a first AD, which in the industry is the guy who has to run the set effectively. Yeah. Um, are you guys f- familiar with that, the assistant director? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we as bit. much as we, we get yeah. it from a occasional David, visit from David Wayne. David Wayne's yeah, talked sure. just a
1: little bit about it.
2: He's walked you through the, the all the crew positions. And so when you hear assistant director, you it, it's easy to assume um, that's like the person who helps the director with creative decisions or something like that, but it's actually not. It's um, it's they, they do all the stuff on the set that so that the director doesn't have to um, meaning they keep it running. They make sure the director has everything that um, he or she needs to um, get the material that um, he or she wants. Um, and so he came from that world, especially in the feature world and where it can be chaos and it's man- managing chaos constantly. Um, And his court, sorry, go ahead.
0: And and since then you've also, you've added writers, um, more directors, um, Mm. post-production people, casting, and even just office people, because you've got to kind of keep everything going.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, So every, every person who can take something off your plate so that you can do the thing uh, that you are, you know, the thing that you are, the thing that allows you to provide the most value uh, is a good thing. So early on, I had a friend tell me, um you know, he basically asked me, What do you do? And what is the thing that you do of all the list of things that you do that are most valuable? Stop me if I've said any of this before when no, I was on the no. show. Okay. No. I'd hate to re- repeat myself. Oh, it like, years it's anyway. Just a blowhard. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> over 200 we're all, we're all episodes ago. We're fine. Oh, good. All right. So it's all fresh in our minds. Um and m- m- my friend asked me what it is that I, I do. And, and of that list of things, what is the thing that only I can do and nobody else can do? And, you know, I thought of what that thing was. And he, he said, only do that thing <laughs> and then bring people on to, to do the rest of it. And, you know, that's an extreme. I still like to do certain things that other people can do. But um, really, if you're providing value that that nobody else can, then that's the... Then that's the thing that makes the whole that 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 makes it work. I think so Merlin Merlin man asked me that exact same question recently. Really?
0: But the um I want to talk about how you're holding all this together with all these people. And I know um you know, like communicating and keeping track of projects is something that you've gotta manage now. Yeah. Before we do that though, um let's just take a minute to talk about our first sponsor.
1: Yeah, our first sponsor for this episode are the folks over at MacPaw, and they make the great Mac utility Clean My Mac. Clean My Mac is up to version three now. Uh, this is a must-have utility for your Mac, and in fact, I run it on my Mac, you know, at least once every couple of months, and certainly anytime before I get ready to do a major operating system upgrade. And certainly, I ran it before I got ready to upgrade to El Capitan. Um, or if it's just something you want to do before you do some spring cleaning, it's it's a great thing to run. Um, so you launch Clean My Mac and you click one button and clean my Mac is going to give you all kinds of options for things that you can use to reduce all of the clutter and cruft in your operating system um, and it's gonna do things that would otherwise take you hours if you were manually going through folder by folder by folder to clean out your hard drive. Um, it is completely automated, and best of all, Clean My Mac has really taken care to make sure that the things that they're removing, they're doing so safely. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of other utilities who claim to do things like this, and you know, let's just say maybe they have issues, and maybe they've kind of given some of these utilities a bad name and a bad reputation. And Clean My Mac is not like that. They are very careful about the types of things that they remove. Um, they have have a safe list so that they know that they're not going to remove resources that you need. They're going to be able to scan your Mac for large files, letting you know things that maybe you no longer need. They're going to be able to remove unused localizations without causing havoc. They're going to be able to remove cache files. And new in version 3, they've also got a whole set of maintenance tools. So you can do both your cleaning and your maintenance all in one fell swoop. Um, This is a utility that I personally use and enjoy. I've been running it since uh, several versions ago when we first met them over at Macworld. Uh, Version 3 is a huge step up because it will now do things like um, it will, Clean out your mail attachments. It will work with the new Photos app and help you get rid of some duplicates in there. Um, it's also going to remove unused language localizations. It's also a great app uninstaller because from time to time uh, you may trash an app out of the Applications folder, but you're not realizing all of the cruft that that's leaving behind. Uh, clean My Mac is going to help you get rid of that. And they've got a special uh, for Mac Power users, listeners. You can save thirty percent off. If you go to the website that we're going to link in our show notes, that's at Mac com slash macpowerusers so you can receive thirty percent off Clean My Mac three by visiting macpawcom slash Uh Thanks so much to MacPaw for sponsoring this episode of Mac Power Users, and go check out Clean My Mac.
0: You know, Adam. I was I was watching. I've been thinking about you because I know we've had been playing the show, and and I just watched the uh, the Disney. You know, they just did a new biography of Walt Disney, mm-hmm. and there's this this one part where they're talking about how he had like five different movies in production at one time, and all he would do is run around to the different rooms and step in and tell them a joke that they needed to do to fix <laughs> something, and then go on to the next room. Mm-hmm. And he was just like this bouncing monkey. And I got thinking. I wonder if that's what Adam is doing. I mean, because you guys. You guys like a a movie production house. Mm -hmm. You have multiple projects, but in your case, the projects are smaller, but there's a lot more of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Could you walk us through a little bit? I mean, how are you guys using technology and frankly, not using technology, you know, to to land these contracts and then get them through the
2: production pipeline with all these people and not like pulling your hair out at the same time? It's a great question. And I love that you added on the not using technology as well, because that has been a very big learning experience for us. Um, um, I I love that you mentioned Walt Disney, because I just got through reading uh, Ed Catmull's Creativity, Inc. That's a great book. book, um, In which, of course, he talks about Walt Disney a lot and he talks about Steve a lot. And he talks about his own process uh, at Pixar, answering that very question of how do the people who are at the top, the people who dictate all, you know, for the most part, the, the vision, um, how do they enable everybody to do their best work and how do they stay involved um, without being too involved? And um, how do they remain accessible? And the answer to a lot of these questions is technology helps with that, but um, I'm not going to lie. The past few years, Have been fraught with, you know, tension um, inside my team about what is the best way to get to have access to me and for me to have access to them. Um, Because when, when everybody sits down and gets real and you talk about what are the, um, what are the barriers? What are, where's, where's the friction in the, in the pipeline? Um, a lot of it has to do with accessibility and, and just them feeling comfortable that they have access to me when I'm running around with, you know, like a chicken with his head caught off, like not knowing exactly what to pay attention to. Um, and at some points I feel like, uh, my job is as a, like a professional emailer. Um, but really what you're doing, if you're like a, a creative director, like I am, um, is you have to be really adept at responding to things quickly and constantly, and they ha- and shift your uh, shift your shift the muscles that you're working on a ver- at a, uh, on a dime, basically. Um, so, what are the what are the
0: f- successes and failures that you've experienced right. in trying to get that access ironed out?
2: Well, early on, on principle, I was opposed to a, having a meeting culture in the office. So I didn't want to have to schedule meetings and sit down and do production meetings all the time. Cause I'd worked in a company before where somebody tried to institute that and it were, and it was anathema to everybody there. And we would be stuck in these two hour long meetings where half the people didn't have to be there. Um, it was just a waste of time. So I almost like to a fault. Uh, avoided that, avoiding having sit-downs and having conversations. And so early on, it was everything can go through email. If you need me, just email me, text me. This was in the days before Slack. Um, and we didn't have another sort of inter-office communications tool.
0: Um, I, you know, I've got the same failing. I, I think it's partly because I just left my day job and I've gone mm-hmm. out on my own and I am like you. Really have to convince me to do a meeting at this point because it was yeah. you know because I, I'm like um, what is that? Um, what do they call it when you come back from war and you're um,
2: you PTSD PTSD. <laughs> Yeah PTSD?
0: <laughs> meeting PTSD PT. and I'm not trying to minimize that, but you you know what I mean. It's sure. Terrible. Well, then
2: it's a matter probably of getting comfortable with embracing it again to uh, and and fixing fixing the flaws that it brought into your process. So how did um, you guys do that? I mean, how did what, what did it take to get uh, Adam comfortable with meetings again? <laughs> well, first off it was like before, okay. So it, before Slack, it was, uh, you know, I had a couple of deep conversations with the team about, they didn't feel like they had the right amount of ac- access to me. They felt bad about coming to me, uh, coming up to me at my desk and asking t- to chat because I always felt like I was super busy and stressed out and on and on and on. Um, and, you know, going back to the creativity Inc, there's an anecdote about John Lasseter where um, one of the things that he discovered from his, their, their, notes day, their big day where everybody basically got it. Everybody in the company got a chance to weigh in on what they thought were, were was problematic about the company. And people basically revealed to him that he would always um his time was so tightly scheduled that um people often assumed that he was mad at them when they stepped into the meeting because he would be holding on to the stresses of the last meeting. Um and, and I feel like I did a lot of that probably is that somebody would come up to talk to me or get feedback or talk through an issue, and I would be so stressed that it would probably externalize to them and make it a really uncomfortable and awkward situation. And that's horrible. So I I think um, as humans, though, that's something really easy for us to do.
0: You know, we walk into a room, we see the other guy or or a person is upset or just doesn't seem fully engaged and super happy to see us. Mm -hmm. And the immediate assumption you make is what have I done to make (laughs) him mad or make her upset or make her not care? And. And um, I just had this conversation with my daughter. I said, you know, usually like 90% of the time, it has nothing to do with you. Right. But as humans, we want to, because we're all the center of our own story. Of course. That person's emotions are completely uh, a result of something we have or haven't done. And, and usually that's just not the case, but it's really yeah. easy to make that
2: assumption. It's so easy. it's the stupidest and most self-defeating thing we do. And I'm 37 and I'm still learning. I'm still figuring out the th- figuring this out. That um, it's a mistake to assume that, you know, what the other person is thinking all yeah. the d- always. It's basically the source of all conflict is <laughs> thinking that, yeah. you know, what they are, th- what they're trying to communicate to you. Now, so, the reason so we how do you this, solve that then, uh, well, just as an addendum to that, the reason we do this is because we don't want to be clueless. We want to be em- empathic. We want to know what the other person is thinking or at least think we know what the other person's thinking. Yeah. Um, and, and we do that so that, you know, that we can make human connections. Um, but often, often, like there's like a wider, um, uh, just like a whole, like a whole lot of wrongness in that
0: process. And, and um, it gets even more complex when it's, uh, when you hold a position of power, because this person works for you and yeah. they're paying their rent and whatever it is else that in their life with when, this job. So now it's even harder for them to, to get to the bottom of it
2: yeah another difficult thing that comes out in that dynamic of like the the employer employee is that you're not on common ground as much as you think you want to be like as as much as I think I want to be on common ground with my employees their th- their motivations are different from mine um and it's always useful to take that into account so the way that I've tried to get beyond that that mistake of assuming what somebody um what I, that I know what somebody's communicating to me or what their intentions are is reminding myself that I don't want, know what their intentions are, and the best way to find out is to ask um, and to actually have open and honest communication. And as often, I mean, it's the hardest thing in the world to do at first, but to sit down and to to grab somebody and say, "Hey, can we chat for for five minutes?" and just like talk to them. Yeah. man, it's a, and like just talking it out and that and that's, quote unquote, a meeting, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's a, it's under the same label as meeting. But that kind of meeting has a 100 times as much value as the meeting you think you're you're getting stuck in. Um, what
1: about in the context of when things aren't going so great, you know, when mm-hmm. when there's a problem or, you know, particularly maybe certainly not the case with any of your current employees, we certainly want to say, but, (laughs) you know, when when something's just when it's not working and and maybe it's recoverable, but, you know, we all kind of have a tendency of, you know, something's just not working and I'm just, I'm going to ignore it because I don't want to deal with it because that's uncomfortable. But the longer we ignore it, the more it frustrates us. And then things just spiral downward.
2: Yeah. Well, I think step one is to don't, is to not ignore it. Uh, ignoring it always makes it worse. Um, and if the intention is to solve it, then communicating about it. And importantly, like talking through it to the point that you think you've exhausted all possibilities of to, of towards a solution, um, but talking about it further. And I just had this really ex- interesting experience with a, a dynamic here where... I thought something was the situation as face value. I thought that some, somebody believed something because they felt something. And then talking through it with, you know, with my partner, Roxana, talking through it with her for a full two hours at home. And we kind of came to this realization that that thing was something else, you know, like that, that just how get cutting through to the point of a revelation and a revelation isn't always going to come, of course, but it's really useful if it does. And sometimes the only way that it's going to is like just communicating about it and being really um, you know, caring about it. I feel like that's this, the number one element in anything is just caring. I, I just shot a commercial this weekend um for MixPanel. Um and for for anybody who doesn't know what MixPanel is mix Mixpanel is this amazing um, useful tool for um, developers of of apps, mobile apps, web apps. Um that tells them things about their users that just anal- straight up analytics won't tell them. And um, we made a commercial for them, shot it on Saturday and the founder of the company Sahel came down um, for the shoot and he was just a, a spectator the whole time. He's a super mellow dude, uh, just taking it in and enjoying being there. And then at the end of the day, when he was just about to take off uh, and go back up to San Francisco he just said the most casual, hey, thanks for caring. And it was amazing. <laughs> it was an amazing yeah. thing to hear. Because um, yeah. that's the thing that uh, differentiates sometimes. In this, It differentiates you in the space is if you actually care about what you're doing. It quantifies the unquantifiable yeah. you know, statement like that. Yeah.
0: Um, so, so you've yeah. got... You know, it's funny because you got into this because of your knowledge and ability to tell a story and use all the technology. But it sounds to me like a big focus of what you're doing now is just making sure the machine is working right. You know, absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Human connection. And uh, okay, so I I sort of was like was talking uh, almost like as in as as like an, an era shift. There was before Slack and after Slack. And Slack obviously just made a huge impact on the company, but part of what it did in a negative way was make me too reliant on Slack as a channel um, of communication um, and as a substitute for real human in person communication. Um, because what part of what is what is great about Slack is that it's so informal that you can actually it also it also opens up a channel for honesty with people, like direct honest communication. That's got almost no strings attached, you know, Um, and it's great because it takes away that layer of um, social awkwardness, I guess. A lot of a lot of us are introverts and we don't necessarily want to um, sit there face to face and be on the spot to say clever things or have the right, the right answers. And some of us are really good at writing our thoughts out. And so Slack is a godsend for that reason. Um, that it allows you to think through a problem um, in writing.
0: Well, it's funny because that, that statement you said, Slack leaves this like additional layer for honesty, and I, I think the reason you would say that is, see, I'm going to make an assumption is what you're thinking now mm-hmm. um, is that um, it's just less formal than email. I mean, if you look at it on a spectrum, I mean, like one of the silly things when I when I use Slack with the the Relay FM network and. And Mike, you know, one of the founders of the network, and I have a channel where we talk to each other. And quite often I will send him a note and I'll start it out by saying, Mike, comma, new paragraph. And I do this every <laughs> once in a while. And finally, he wrote me, says, you know, Dave, you really don't need to do that. I know that it's coming from you. <laughs> and um, and I understand that. But in my head, I have not got to that informal informality of Slack. Sure. But, but it seems like it, it is like it's taken on in our community and even bigger as just this super useful um, way for people to get quick answers and information back and forth.
2: It is. And it just opens up a thread um, for, and it it, like almost like a more rich, fully rendered picture of who you are as a person. If you can, I mean, okay. So this is the thing about the product design of Slack is that there's so much humanity built into it that, It really, um, it fosters that humanity in the people who use it. Does, it, does that kind of make sense or is that up its play? it was the, it? to me the word I would the word I would use is whimsy I mean sure. the, way, the way they
0: make it so you can make funny little sayings when you log in and yeah. you know the slack bot I mean and, and relay we've got these hilarious like if you use the word WWwC it'll say something funny you know, and so like and, and, dub dub or and it will <laughs> it
2: will kind of um, soften the blow I guess mm-hmm. of
0: being stuck in this thing where you have to communicate with a bunch of people.
2: Right. Yeah. Uh, so I set up a Slack bot that. Um, so uh, Shady, my EP, um, the EP managing director, he's British and he. Um, so he says cheers a lot, um, and so I set up a Slack bot that every time someone types cheers in Slack, uh, it responds norm. With exclamations. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he doesn't write cheers anymore or he spells it with a Z. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but anyway, yeah, the, you say whimsy because that's the character that they've written for that um, piece of software, right? The, the character, the character of Slack, if Slack were a person is whimsical. Um, and we all like having a whimsical person around because they bring out, the, you know, they bring out the best in our personality. That's kind of what they do. So, so how
0: deep is Slack in a uh, sandwich video at this point? I mean, uh, and how do you use it? Because there's a lot of people out there that are struggling to figure out, you know, what do they do with it? Uh, like, I'm just thinking, like, maybe do you guys have channels for different projects or I
2: mean, how does it work? We do. But more importantly, we have channels for the different processes that go on in making up those projects. So what so, does that mean? So there's post-production. We're, Sandwich is basically an, an, a creative agency. We're a production company and we're a post-production company altogether. Um, we have a channel for post-production. We have a channel for creative. We have a channel for production. And usually that breaks up into projects so that everybody working on the Mixpanel project has a place to communicate about Mixpanel things. Um, you just think of it as as rooms where you can uh say anything that needs to be said without it going out to the whole team for and, then, and then you kind of have a historical archive so like as now you finish your shoot
0: with mix panel mm-hmm. I I would imagine the post production channel starts to get busy
2: right um and because we have everything in all phases of um that process going on at once concurrently it just gives you that extra bit of context context is so important in um in operations because it allows context allows you to do that mental shift that I was talking about before. Um, it co- context is just a signifier. Yeah, I know if it's in a, uh, like a, the post Slack channel, that's just a signifier that I need to switch my brain into that post gear. Um, and I know that today it sort of happens automatically. It's almost Pavlovian. So as, um, a, as a company founder, do you have to, do you have to like survey the channels every day or what do you do? No, I mean a lot. Most of them we use are um, private channels. Hey, you know, there so their Slack is broken up into like private rooms and then public rooms. Where so like we have one for lunch, but people can ignore the lunch one mm-hmm. if they want. We have one for random, which is just like if somebody finds a funny link. Um, we don't like abuse like the cleverness aspect of Slack that much. I've, I think that a lot of companies just like get a real, a lot of yucks out of it. And um, there are like, you know, a lot of memes in, in their Slack, like it's their own personal Tumblr, but I, we don't really do that. We're too busy for that. <laughs> so yeah. We really use it for it to get it, help us get our work done.
0: And, and you may have already answered this, but where does Slack fail for you?
2: Well, just what, yeah, just what I said, which is that it's easy to become too reliant and think of it as a replacement for actual human Communicate in-person communication, where you start to forget that, um, human per, one-on-one or, you know, in-person communication is so dense with information. If you're talking about it in a te- technological standpoint, so dense with valuable information, um, that really nothing can take the place of it. Uh, and you're just because you get the, the benefit of facial expressions, the benefit of Um, back and forth reactions and, um, we do, you know, making that, doing that thing we do where we assume we know what the other person's saying. Uh, it's so much easier to do, to make that mistake when it's, it's in text form. Yeah. It's just one dimensional. And also just in the, in a, yeah, it's, it's, it's one dimensional. I mean, and that's a rich dimension. When it goes through Slack, it's 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 rich with all this extra stuff. That because it it sort of sort of enables us to be expressive in the right ways, um, and it's less formal and there's less friction to the process. It's still you know it still is is sort of superficial. So it's fun to rediscover. Like the creative process in the room, like in when you're sitting with three people in the room, you've just been given a project um, that is, you know, all based around a product that nobody's heard about yet, that nobody knows how it works, that we're still trying to figure out how it works. And then we sit together in a room and we tr- we talk through ideas about um, what's the best way to com- communicate that and through the medium of video. Um, we're all in the, in, in the room and we're all seeing each other respond to things positively or negatively in the room and everything in that book. And it's so much of that book. The Pixar book is about that process is about yeah. the pitch meetings and sitting in the room and acting everything out in person. And, um, and all that, you can't do that remotely. You can't do that taking away the, the element of presence Yeah, for spitballing. You really need to be in the same room. Yeah.
1: yeah, And I do. In fact, this might be a, a good time to go there in a minute. I, I want to talk a little more about physically how, how you've got your, your staff set up and, and how you've evolved from the, sp- the spare bedroom. But uh, maybe <laughs> before we go there, it's a, a good time to take a quick break.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to talk about our sponsor, and that's our friends over at SaneBox. Uh, SaneBox is uh, one of my favorite sponsors, and one of the great stories about them is they they, they track statistics for people who try their, their service. I'm not even going to tell you what the service is yet, but just let me tell you that 66% of Mac Power Users listeners who try the service actually subscribe to it, so you're warned ahead of time. Uh, what SaneBox does, it's like it's like – the greatest email filtering. I love it. I've been a big fan. I've been a paying customer. There's long before they were sponsor of the show. And it, it does that magic bit for you where you don't have to look at your inbox every morning and see 80 emails or probably in Adam's case, 300, um, the same box goes through and it takes a look at the email. It doesn't read the contents of the email. It just says, who's it from? And what's the subject line. And it studies that in comparison to, um, what you've done with email from those same people in the past, and, it, and it'll filter it for you. Like it, it'll break up emails that look like they're from a vendor, like somebody trying to sell you a new pair of shoes. It'll look at email that looks like it's spam. It'll look at email that's maybe from a friend that you don't generally respond to right away. And it'll see the email that's maybe from your boss that you always respond to within a few hours. And it'll know that and it'll filter that for you. So when you wake up in the morning, you'll see your inbox has three or four items in it from the truly important people. And then. Your sane later box has the stuff from your friends that that is important, but not going to be something you jump on immediately. And then you know, decreasing levels of priority with additional mail, and that just happens for you. Um, when I got sick a couple months ago, I really had a challenge because I was just too sick to deal with email. And sane box is the only reason I was able to get through that because it found for me the emails that I could truly deal with in the little mi- limited time and attention I had now that i'm better i've been able to work through that and i'm i'm okay again but uh, you know dealing with email when there's a crisis in your life is something that You shouldn't have to manage. You shouldn't have to go through and sort through those hundred emails when you wake up. And that's just one of the things you can do with SaneBox. There's so much more. They have this great snooze ability. So like I have a snooze folder for five days on on one of my accounts where things come in. I want to deal with it. I'll just put it off for a few days. Uh, They have um, the ability to set reminders. So if I send an email to Katie and I blind copy it to one week at SaneBox.com and Katie doesn't reply to me, uh, they'll tell me in a week. Hey, you sent this email to Katie and you didn't get a response. And it doesn't—it doesn't have to be one week. It could be two days or a month or two hours. You know, they'll—they'll they'll take care of it for you. Uh, there's just so much more you can do with this thing. They've got this thing—the same black hole where you drag an email into there and it's really gone, and you don't get email from that um, from that source again, which is awesome. Uh, if you want to get nerdy and you get into your account, there's even more detailed things you can do. You can set filters based on subject line and all sorts of activities on your email. Um, they just continue to evolve the service I know that um, Katie and I since we have a relationship with the company we get on all the stuff that they're testing and let me tell you they've got more stuff coming our way that's going to make email even better um, you get a 14 day trial so go over to SaneBox.com MPU get that 14 day trial be wary though uh, you you will be one of the 66% because if you try it you're just going to love it uh, plans start as low as $4 a month and you get $10 off any plan if you go to our, our link that's SaneBox com slash mpu a lot of mac power users listeners love the service i love it katie does i bet you will too so go check it out and thanks same box for sponsoring the show
1: so adam you talked a little bit at the beginning of the show um, how when you started this you were kind of frustrated you were in your spare bedroom and then you pretty quickly hired a Couple of people, and then you know, you now have nine additional employees. My guess is those nine people aren't hanging out in your second bedroom still, right?
2: No, no, no. As soon as I hired the first employee, uh, and he came over uh, for a work day, and my dog bit his expensive shoe, um, oh. I, I, I realized we had to get out of the apartment. <laughs> I love that.
1: That yeah, That's probably a clue. <laughs>
2: I felt so bad. Um, and that was so one of the first tasks that we went, that we set on together was finding a new space. And we found this awesome space in the Arts District in in downtown LA, which is such a vibrant neighborhood. Um, it, it actually is so, uh, it's so rich where we like the location that we're, we are, you know, rich and into like not in an economic sense, but it's so culturally rich that it really, almost defines our identity as a, as a company. Um, but we found this space in a, in a big building that's like mixed use and over the, and that was three years ago. And then over the past few years, we've taken on two additional units next to each other. So we're, we're basically sort of extending out the space we're building out right now. So we've got a space for production, um, which means like the, basically the operations of, of shooting all the people who are making all the phone calls and arranging all the vendors and renting all the gear and making sure um, that nothing hits the fan. Um, That's all production. And then we've got the office that I work out of is a big, you know, sort of open floor plan. I'm in the conference room right now, but uh, the rest of the uh, space is pretty serene. And it's where all the creative work is done. And the post-production is all in here for the time being too. And then the third space is where we would bring clients for, um, it's just kind of a multi-use space. Um, there's a conference table in there. There's like a living room area. Um, there's a giant bathroom with a sh- with a giant like glass tiled shower and a giant bathtub for some reason. And it really looks <laughs> like a, cool. a Colombian drug Lord's bathroom in a way. It's really serious. It's silly. It's just the silliest bathroom ever. Um, So someday you have to find an excuse to like shoot there. I don't know. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, I would love to. Yeah, um, or or just take bath. One of the things I was wondering. Yeah, that's true. Where's Adam? He's taking a bath. He's thinking about. (laughs) He's thinking about your video.
1: Just just being inspired, you know. I just some of the greatest ideas, you know, come in the shower So.
2: Oh, absolutely, they do. They that's where they get. That's where great ideas get done. So yeah. now, now when you, because you've got a whole system now, you've got to go
0: pitch. I guess you go pitch ideas to people. You, you, um, you you mm-hmm. know, you land clients and then you've mm-hmm. got to put a video through the entire pre-production, production, post-production process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what are, and you've got employees, so you can't just use any old tool you want. You've got to some, find something that works with a group, but also, you know, everybody's happy with. Um, And we'll talk about the video, kind of the nuts and bolts video stuff later. But on the business side, Mm -hmm. um, what are the tools you guys are using? I mean, is is this
2: a spreadsheet or how are you figuring these projects out? Sure. Well, for that, we use something that's super cool. And I don't think a lot of people know about yet, but it feels like they will pretty soon. But I'm only saying that because I'm sort of a database geek anyway. and, And back in the day, I was a big old file maker nerd. Gotcha. Um, and it's this thing called Airtable. Do you know Airtable? I think we yeah. had a couple of listeners send in links to Airtable. I have not played with it though. It is so good, and I only know about them because they approached as a client. We we didn't end up working with them yet, um, but I got super pumped about the product as soon as we started started using it. Because basically, what it is is the, the this is the 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 proposition. Proposition is that. You know, you use all these, you you use simple spreadsheets for tracking stuff. Everybody does. You use Excel or we use Google Docs or or whatever it is. But the prospect of sharing that stuff and actually organizing it in a more meaningful and specific way, it can be a little bit tricky um, because spreadsheets are often so simple. And um, this is Basi- and then but FileMaker was the opposite of that it it allowed like almost infinite extensibility and customization to the point that you know people were sort of building like almost more like web forms that to 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 keep their information yeah and they were and it was relational database tables that stored all this information and you could you could be like you could just build giant giant databases in FileMaker but getting that stuff networked and getting it out and multi-user and everything was always just such a pain in the butt. And FileMaker was essentially sort of a, a little bit of a antiquated a tool because they, they just weren't, every attempt they made to bring it to the cloud was not really sufficient. And Air, Airtable has kind of solved that where everything is browser based. Um, all of the table creation is very, very extensible. You can make forms. You can. Um, you can basically store any type of data that you want. And most importantly, it's all in the cloud. So it's multi-user with all the right access, user access controls and permission settings and, uh, uh, you know, extensible APIs. And it's just super clean and well-designed and smart. Like if somebody were starting FileMaker from the ground up now, with all of the the you know stack of tools that web developers have this is the thing that they would build i can't believe i didn't do a spot for them and I'm, i don't have any equity and and i'm still doing this sponsorship read for, for them yeah. on your on your well, podcast my apologies. no but i'm glad you're
0: sharing it because that's a lot of our listeners are small businesses and they're looking for just these kinds of solutions and the um i'm looking at the the website the user interface at the it looks gorgeous on the iPhone and the iPad.
2: Yeah. It's super um, cool. That's the other thing. You got cross cross platform. So no headaches with any of that. And it's still simple enough as a tool that, you know, you're not trying to customize it to, you know, infinitely you're, you're, it, it serves its purpose and it serves it well. Um, and they've got licensing
0: models like you can get 5000 records for $12 a month per user or mm-hmm. unlimited for 24 so it's not totally out of the you know realm yeah, in terms right. of pricing either
2: and it's not integrated so then, into our, our our operations to the point that slack is for instance but we're getting there we use it to track so, the inqu- sorry the inquiries so just, we sorry go ahead david
0: no, I mean, that's okay just a little skype
2: delay today so we're jumping on each other but uh-huh. go ahead and finish also, I burped for a second, so sorry about that. I didn't mean to. Well, you did it um, very silently because I didn't hear <laughs> I it. It's like called a dad burp. That's just like in the a middle of burp. We <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sort of burp yeah, in the I middle did of one of on something. the show
0: a few weeks ago, <laughs> and I didn't hit the mute button, and I felt pretty bad afterwards. But then, <laughs> that's all right. They know.
2: understand. Yeah. It's just gas man it's human. I'm a dad too. Um, <laughs> I know.
1: I d- I don't even know where where to go from. <laughs> I don't
2: even know. <laughs>
0: That's Katie's <laughs> Sorry, response to Katie. many things I say. <laughs> um, but but um, like when you go and you're pitching a new account, I mean, at what point do you start one of these um, these Air Is it I mean, is it just going to be for? Because I can see using it for contacts, I can see using it for budgeting. But wh- how are you putting it
2: in place? Sure. Well, I I kept um, inquiries in a filemaker database for since the company started, and then eventually we just ported it over to Airtable. So we didn't have things like, uh, synced file conflicts in Dropbox, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, that's the main value prop is don't, don't put these files in a Dropbox because you know, like when you see that parentheses after the file name, something went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and you worst. don't know which one. You don't know which one has the, and you're not going to run like a, uh, what do you call it? A, a, a file compare or something. Yeah. A file, com- a diff. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that, that's the one thing. And then we will use it for, I don't know, anything like keeping logins for things that we need access to that, you know, don't go in a, in a shared file, one password vault Um, uh, tracking, you know, job applicants, for instance, tracking um, people that we want to work with composers, editors, directors. Um, what else? Just any, any information that you want to keep in list form that will be useful for many people to have, you, you, you put it in an air table.
0: And how does this compare to like, um, using like the Google spreadsheets? I've been really um, impressed with Google spreadsheets because we can like Katie and I share one that we do mm-hmm. some planning for the show and frequently I'll see Katie's cursor jumping around while I'm in there at the same time.
2: Never any problems, never any data loss. Sure. Well, I mean the da- data wise it's rock solid, of course, is it's it's Google, but I think that um air airtable is a little bit more than spreadsheets, a little it's a little bit closer to date you know, traditional database.
0: Yeah, but in terms of data stability, I mean, can you have multiple people in there at once? Or? Oh,
2: totally, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, all that stuff is I feel like that for these people, that's the easy that's the easy part. Okay.
0: hey, you know, it it really is, you know, when you look at these collaborative apps, the success stories are always the apps that are web based. I mean, like even if you look at like Apple's trying to do stuff with pages, Mm -hmm. but when you've got to get it out of the web into a third party application, it seems like that's when things start breaking, and if you just keep it in the web, it's so much easier.
2: Totally, and the more I mean we're working with a client right now that's doing something that you wouldn't think traditionally is supposed to be in the web, but it is, and it just makes all the difference um, and it's and uh, you know, as time goes on, more and more of that will, it will start happening, yeah, and it solves the
0: problem of you know, you know it's like it used to be such a big deal. About you know Mac versus PC, and now it's you know iOS versus Android, and I you know even though I make a show called Mac Power Users, I don't really care. I mean, just mm-hmm. use what you want because most of the stuff that's worth using anymore is is multi platform or just web based, so it doesn't
2: matter, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even Slack is is, is sort of like iTunes is like a portable a portal to uh, to to, to a website, like a browser. Now, do you have,
0: are you like an all Mac shop at this point? Or I mean, do you have people yeah. using different platforms?
2: Absolutely. We're a Mac shop. In fact, uh, I think that we're renting a, a PC. We're doing a big effects project right now, a V effect, a visual effects. We we just shot a commercial that has a lot of visual effects in it. And so we had to rent a couple of boxes for compositors and I, this wasn't my decision, but we we, we rented a couple of PCs because we could get more rendering horsepower for the money. Yeah, but it just sort of feels icky to have have them in house. <laughs> I just bought uh, at the beginning of the year. I bought my first ever Windows box um, because I got sort of super into VR, uh, virtual uh, virtual reality. I, I bought a um, Oculus Rift DK two. Yeah, uh, and and I quickly discovered hooking it up to my my MacBook that um, it's like the olden days of software where you really can't. It's hard to find good software that runs on the Mac for um for VR. Yeah, you know Oculus has a runtime and everything like that that runs on the Mac, but a lot of the developers out there aren't just aren't taking the time to port uh, to port their content to um to the Mac, and also the Mac's graphics um, capabilities on. The less beefy um, CPUs are not going to be you know fast enough to run, yeah, like, and make it really meaningful. And and VR is all about presence. It's all about the frame rate. It's all about making you feel like it's real. And, and also, so, Oculus arises out of like the the kind of the PC gaming culture. Totally, totally. Yeah. It's it's in the gaming culture, and that's where a lot of its developer base is. So I bit the bullet and went to Newegg and bought a gaming PC, which was just the ugliest giant black box have, full of let's have a leds in it and oh like, so leds galore it's like a it's <laughs> like i have a giant sneaker in my in my office like a giant <laughs> sneaker with glow that glows and makes and you know it has the uh, it it's just a nightmare but and don't even get me started on windows on windows it's yeah. the first time i'd ever w- used windows and i felt i felt like like Wait. what what happened the where First to, time you've ever used Windows? Yeah, because <laughs> right. yeah, because uh, like our first computer was an Apple II. Our first, we, <laughs> that was my first exposure to personal computing was an Apple II, and then we very quickly got a Mac. Um, yeah, Macintosh. Wow. After that, so you got this far without ever having but, to use a PC? Pretty much. I mean, I remember there might have been a typing class in elementary school or two where we there, but at that point, it doesn't really matter what you're using; you're just typing. Um, yeah, but I never had, we've been forced to sit down and figure out windows and I'm so glad I hadn't, you know. You know, the, we've had a
0: lot of, um, we've had a lot of talk about technology and evolving, you know, like is Apple to care about pro video anymore? And all this has happened since the last time you were here and I've been dying to ask you about some of this stuff. Sure. Um, let's take another quick ad break and, and get into that topic.
1: Yeah, well, I want to talk about our sponsor Gazelle. You know, it's the season of, of new iOS devices and maybe you're you're trying to get rid of your old device and I personally think there's really no better place to do that than Gazelle. Gazelle is the online marketplace for buying and selling your used gadgets. You can shop from a variety of certified pre-owned electronics or trade in one that you already have for cash and you can give new life to a used device. You can just get started by going to gazelle.com that's g a z e l l e.com. Uh, And they'll get you started So um, you can trade in your old device for cash Or get a pre-owned new device that's certified They do both now You always wondered what they did with those old trade-in devices Well, now you know Uh, They go through, they refurbish them, they certify them And now you can go back and buy some of them on their site Um, Trade-ins are simple You just go to gazelle.com Find your device, click through Tell them a little bit of information about it What it is, what kind of condition it's in what are the specs? You'll get an instant quote. Those quotes are good for 30 days. And shipping is free and payment is fast. And in many cases, they'll even send you a box. And if you decide you're in the market to buy a new device, um, you know, like when I was looking at maybe an iPad Air or something, that was one of the places where I went. I went to go check out Gazelle. A good friend of mine just bought used phones for their kids over on Gazelle. They brought these to me in my office and showed them to me. Could not tell that they were not new phones. It was Great. Um, so the new iPads will will soon be out if you're getting a new iPad Pro and the the brand new ones are out if you got one of those brand new iPad Mini 4's so this is a great time to go ahead and buy a certified pre-owned device they've got a great selection at great prices you can shop for iPhone 4S's through the iPhone 6 Plus for iPads they've got iPad Air iPad Minis Um, you know they've even got Android stuff if you're an Android user and you want to check out those Uh, the devices are available in good and excellent conditions and the good shows maybe some gentle signs of wear and tear um, but they're great value for used devices and like i said the the excellent condition ones man they look really really good um, all online offers are free if you want to go check them out at gazelle you get an answer a few easy questions and they'll give you a quote and then you can make the decision of whether you want to go or not so go check them out at gazelle.com that's g-a-z-e-l-l-e.com and let them know that mac power users sent you
0: So Adam, when you heard about the iPad pro, did that uh, push any of your buttons as a video Mm -hmm. production guy?
2: You know, I have to come clean is, which is that like, I didn't pay attention. This is, I feel like progressively every single keynote that happens, I pay attention to the announcements less and less. Yeah. And busy. (laughs) I'm busy. Yeah. Yeah. And it used to be such a treat to put it on, to put the stream on and, um, and watch and get excited and everything. But then I remember I, it would just like, I'd be shooting or something and then it'd be on. And then I'd have to fig- find out what happened after the fact. And then I'd al- always go back and watch the video, but at this time I didn't. And, and uh, I don't know why, but you can get the Cliffs Notes, And I, and so I don't know very much about it, to be honest. I just know about the pencil. And, yeah. and w- I tell you this, um, not in a, like, oh, I don't even own a television uh, kind of way, but I tell you this in like a pleading ignorance kind of way where I, it, it would not be useful for me to t- to tell you what I think about it. Yeah.
0: I, I just thought of you because, because you guys work on so much sure. you know, video, it might be interesting to see where that fits well, in. Well,
2: I really, cool. I think it's cool if they're doing impressive things with the that says the, as, as the mechanism. Cause I use a. I mean, still, even I, I don't even do any compositing anymore, but I still use the stylus as a as a mouse. Basically, it's just how I'm comfortable um, with the Wacom tablet.
0: Um, I re- yeah, I was recently at an event with some friends who were at the uh, Apple announcement and got to spend some hands-on time with it. And the thing that they all said was that um, don't you know, don't underestimate the responsiveness of the pencil. They could not believe how responsive it was, and. Mm. Then I went and pulled out my, um, I've currently got the Evernote branded pin. And yeah, there, it is quite slow when you look mm-hmm. at, you know, the time between you draw and the time the pixels show up. So I guess we're all looking to see what happens there. But, but since the last time we talked to you, Apple uh, switched Final Cut Pro to Final Cut X. Mm-hmm. And the industry went nuts a little bit
2: over that. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that, because weren't you a Final Cut Pro user before? Absolutely. And I, I like, again, I, I don't really touch this stuff anymore because we quickly identified that um, that if I'm doing post, it's one of the biggest bottlenecks yeah. for the company. Um, but I do know that, So we we in the company, we we pretty much exclusively use either Final Cut 7 or Premiere in the in the clouds in the creative cloud suite. And, and I know since that Final, and since Final Cut
0: 7 is really end of life, I mean, at some point you're going to be moving to Premiere. Absolutely. I rue the
2: day when uh, they stop supporting it, whatever the OS is that stops supporting or even allowing Final Cut 7 to launch. I and mean, I know it's coming because it happened to me with Shake. Shake was the only compositing tool I really knew. And in this late in um, OS 10 Yosemite, they, it just wouldn't launch anymore and i even tried to get I and i still need it to open up i need to open up and do compositing tasks every once in a while cuz i use i used shake like i used like photoshop yeah um, and i tried to ask friends in the pro apps team and if anybody could help me do find a workaround or flip a bit in the software that uh, would launch in yosemite and nobody could help me so i got, got kind of screwed by the eol of that um, that one. And I know it's coming for final cut seven, but the truth is, and I talk with other filmmakers about this a lot. It's almost one of the first things you talk about when you're in like a <laughs> small independent filmmaker is what do you cut with? What software do you cut with? And people have either embraced Premiere um, and like use it and all it's sweet to its fullest advantage or people really hold on to final cut seven because it's rock solid and it works. And it's we know what it does. It does what we expected to do. And it, for the most part, doesn't crap out on you with with render bugs and glitches and crashes and loss of data and all this stuff that Premiere is sort of still sticky with. Well, um, the interesting thing uh, is you didn't tell me the third option,
0: which would be move to Final Cut X. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody,
2: <laughs> I mean, nobody's doing that. that. <laughs> I didn't because I don't. I... Uh, <laughs> I just don't know that it's, uh, I have, I'm completely biased and I can't speak with any legitimacy or, um, uh, uh, you know, credibility on this, but nobody really that I know who's doing like pro pro video is really using uh, yeah. OS 10. I, I, and I know I'm to get flack from the audience for that, but Wait, no, I just do, don't. Did I, you
1: mean to say OS 10 or did you mean Final Cut Pro X?
2: Sorry, pro, sorry, uh, Final Cut
0: 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well I mean it's I mean that's cuz we've heard the same thing from a lot of people yeah. that it's like it, it's like Apple decided to embrace prosumer and and you know they made it cheaper and uh they made in some ways it easier to use but for the pro requested features they just said no that's okay. I'm not it that was interested. it's
2: sad as a as a as a person who is like a filmmaker it's really sad that they discontinued that um the, the software line that we felt like really worked and was great. And we, uh, you know, everybody I know who is a final cut seven uh, fan uh, wants there to be a final cut eight. It's just like consistent. Everybody wants that line. They, you know, almost like back to the future. We wish we could go back in time and then like that splinter off into that parallel universe. Yeah. Right. Um, Cause what it would be you- amazing now if they just start, if they continue developing that.
1: Yeah. Do you have a, I mean, is that keeping you from running newer hardware, running newer software? I mean, I would imagine that every time Apple releases an update, you're kind of sitting there holding your breath saying, oof, is this going to work or are all my plugins going to work? <laughs> I mean, are you, are you still running Snow Leopard machines and all, or, I mean, what is your, what is your plan as, as these machines age and time goes on?
2: No, I think we, we don't have to like hold our breath as much when we upgrade to new OSs, I feel like Apple keeps getting better at that um uh, backwards compatibility with Final Cut 7 isn't an issue and eventually when it is an issue it'll be fine hopefully uh, Premiere is stable enough at that point and I have no problem staying in the whole creative suite and using that full package um, because Adobe does some great things for creative professionals well it, it's interesting cuz like, across the line they've
0: kind of taken this approach. I mean, Aperture, there's a lot of people who were big Aperture users and they were, you know, required to move on when Photos came out. And Photos got Photos I think is better than than iPhoto, but I, at the same time it doesn't have like localized adjustments and a lot of the things that we had with Aperture and and Apple's just said no, thanks. Mm-hmm. The only ex- the only exception in my mind is um Logic which it seems like they're still very aggressive with trying to make logic a professional audio tool. Mm-hmm. And I I was just talking to somebody about this recently. I said, I, my theory is that because Apple is so tied into the music industry and all these guys are buddies that they really want them using Apple tools, but it seems like they don't have the same level of commitment with the photos and video production stuff.
2: Yeah. Who knows? It could be, it could be that the logic suite is, is sort of easier to maintain And from a business standpoint, I totally get it. I totally get that Apple needs to focus and limit, you know, limit its scope a little bit. Um, And that if they're letting go of that one product line, then it frees up resources to make the other product lines better. And I don't necessarily know that I understand why they tried to, redirect it into more of a prosumer approach with Final Cut 10. But I know that it was a business decision and I know that there was real motivation there. Um, Yeah. Whatever that motivation was. Yeah. (laughs) What are the other tools you guys are using on the production side these days? Um, We do all of our color in DaVinci Resolve, which is a really interesting and by the way, free piece of software, which is super cool Uh, With restrictions, but like things like rendering in 4K, which we would never need to do anyway at this point. I mean, sometimes we shoot in 4K, but we would never need to master in 4K because most of our stuff is just made for web anyway. Yeah. Um, We use DaVinci Resolve. We use um, After Effects for motion and compositing for almost everything on the visual effects and graphics side. Uh, Illustrator, um, the the whole Adobe suite. um, How many
0: people do you have doing your post-production?
2: Um, you know, staffers, three, we have three people doing posts on staff and then we've, we, uh, we, we bring in freelancers quite a lot.
0: How do you do data management? I mean, are they working from a shared network drive or? Yeah.
2: One of the things is last year we invested in a, like a, basically a server, a big old server, um, with, and we've got a closet that's just doesn't look like a machine room by any stretch, but it's a big old rack with a bunch of servers on it. And it's, uh, you know, well, air conditioned and feels pretty legit. Yeah. Well, those video files get big. I know. They do. And we've got, I don't know, maybe like 50, 60 terabytes of storage online. Um, you online? Know. No, no, no. Yeah. Online, like oh, on okay. the network. I was going to be really impressed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and then, that raises another question. Yeah. How do you oh, back K? all
1: this stuff up?
2: Um, We have, we also have like six different Drobo raids, uh, you know, connected onto the server for, for redundancy.
1: Okay. So you're backing it all locally.
2: Yeah, but we'd never work from those drives. It's just the, the raid, the, the main server is the, is the, uh, the operational drive that's um you've come a long way Adam That's <laughs> your extra bedroom <laughs> yeah I know it's pretty fun um it's it's pretty fun just to, just to come up against uh the limits of what we, the, the the limits of the gear that you have and then figuring out whether it's worth it to 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 get more gear or extend capabilities and the answer is it's almost always worth it well, I have a couple more questions for you. One
0: is I want to find out what what were the hard parts about success? Because I'm sure there are things that, that we haven't talked about that, that caught you off guard. Sure. I also want to talk about some of the just the nerdy little things you're doing with your computer these days, you know, uh-huh. what's in your menu bar, and what, what's the stuff that's making <laughs> your life delightful. Of course. Uh, but before we do that, let's just do our last sponsor, and that's our friends over at Text Expander. I love Text Expander so much. I I know every time I do an ad spot about them, I kinda glow. But it's just <laughs> such a wonderful application. It's the it's the entryway to automation for your Mac or your iOS device. Every day I write things on my computer where I just type a couple of letters and my computer goes blip, and it fills in a whole bunch of data for me. And it makes my life so much easier. Every time I look at those statistics, Text matter actually keeps statistics for you to tell you how much time it's saved. And I'm always resetting my computer because I'm, you know, I'm a geek and I'm always retrying things out. And so those statistics are constantly getting reset for me with Text matter. But nevertheless, every time I look at it, I've saved days of my life with text expander snippets, and you can too. The gang over at Smile really wants to make this the best possible text expansion tool in the world, and they've really succeeded. It does things like fill in snippets, where you can have a snippet that prompts you to fill in the person's name or the product or whatever. Uh, They have them with drop down menus. So you can have, like, if you've got staff like Adam and you want them to make sure they they select from the right names, they have a drop down menu. so they can just select one of those. You can have it even insert the contents of your clipboard to to further automate, automate things. And you can sync all this via Dropbox or iCloud, so you've got it on your various devices. Uh, you can search snippets from the menu bar. The, you know, everything just gets easier and easier with this application. You can do HTML, CSS, autocorrect, accented words, symbols. They've even got these entire libraries of snippets already built. All you do is click a button and download it and put it in there. And I've got a group of them at my website, too. If you go to maxsparky.com slash te snippets, and there are things there like how how I do a movie review with a snippet or OmniFocus tasks. Uh, so you can get a really good idea at this. There's this rich library out there. So if you haven't tried it yet, this is the time. Get in there. They've got it for both the Mac and iOS. You can learn more at smilesoftware.com and let them know you heard about it from us. But boy, you, you are going to love Text Expander if you haven't tried it yet. So... So, Adam, when you uh, since we talked last, you, you have become whether you uh, realize it or not, at least in my mind, just super successful with all of this. Um, what was the biggest challenge you faced that just hit you, you know, blindsided you as this thing grew?
2: Um, Sure. A couple of things come to mind. One is like, I guess you could call it confirmation bias. Um, basically assuming that because you've done it right in the past, you know, all the answers and therefore sort of immune to critique that yeah. can, that can be a tr- uh, troubling one. And it's the quickest way to, uh, irrelevancy, um, irrelevance. Yeah. yeah. It's like they call that concept
0: of group think where you sit around in a room and everybody convinces each other how brilliant they are. <laughs> yeah. That
2: kind of thing. Um, I think that it's so easy to rest on your laurels um as a creative person who's done it right a few times it's so easy to to think you know what you're doing and not question your own processes um and it's a trap that i've fallen into but i'm always trying to be self very 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 self uh self aware when it happens um and like i don't know if things feel like they're going too well then step back and think whether you know why why is that why is it why does this seem so easy um, sometimes the answer to why it's easy is just because you have a, f- a good team behind you that are, um, taking a lot of the, uh, friction away from the process that you used to have that I, you know, I'll just, why am I using the, you, uh, the, the, the team behind me that's taking away the fr- friction. So I don't notice all of the difficulties yeah. that I used to have before while doing it sort of, um, without all that team, um, But I feel like, you know, that's what happens when you see people who, like, who are known, like, masters of a craft or something that, um, you know, have sort of lost their way and start making bad stuff. And it it might just be because they've lost the energy or the proper context to make good stuff. And the reason the context went away is because they... Feel like they already know (laughs) that they're immune to, I don't know. Now I'm just repeating myself. Yeah, I get that. I mean, to me, like the creative process, I I think it requires a healthy degree of paranoia. Totally. By the creative person. Yeah. You always have to assume that everything's going to break. And it's a really insecure place to be constantly. Um, But just with like everything in life balance, you know. You have to... The the, the the insecurity can destroy you. The insecurity of not knowing whether your idea is going to be worth a damn can prevent you from showing up on the set and making it all happen the way you see it in your head. Um, so you have to balance that insecurity with a confidence that says, all these people around me are waiting for me to tell them what to do next. And the reason I'm in this position is because I know what they're supposed to do next. Uh, And they, you know, that's, so that's confidence. And then you have to balance that with being open to input from others. Um, That's how good creative work gets done, I think. Um, So that's one. And then the other one that came to mind with just growing the business is to, is to be made fully aware of how interpersonal conflicts can have such a big impact on the everyday workings of a business. Um, and it's something that's notable, even in reading the Pixar book, creativity, Inc. You know, he talks a lot about how to foster the creative spirit in the company and about how process can, can, processes can help that happen. And he talks about how, you know, but there, he talks about how people can be made to feel, um, like they have ownership of the processes and ownership of the product so that they feel like, um, more invested in it and more motivated to put more of themselves into it. But all that stuff assumes that you're dealing with healthy, you know, mentally healthy, emotionally mature people. And the fact is that most of us are not mentally healthy or emotional, emotionally mature. So what happens if the person sitting next to you in in the cubicle over from you choose their food too loud and it just makes your life hell and you hate going to, Uh, to work every day or what happens when that one person in your office emails passive aggressively to the rest of the team on a constant basis. And you're afraid that if you say something to them, they're going to get passive aggressive to you. And most of the conflict today is just because people don't know the right way to to behave. And it's so frustrating and it's something that all of us have to deal with in the workplace Um, or or, or with me.
0: Like I know how to do it sometimes and other days for one reason or another. I lose that ability. So to, to which, which ability are you talking about? Uh, to act like an adult.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah, no, it can, it can, it, the, it, the, whether or not you had to sit through traffic that morning can color the whole rest of your day. And whether you accidentally scream at somebody um, or, you know, scream a relative term, whether you accidentally, you know, speak in a, in a tone to somebody that you otherwise would be able to just smile at and And that can color their whole day, and if you've got two people on your team, that's hard and now, if you've got ten people on your team, it's infinitely more complex and then yeah. so I think it, about Pixar, where there are thousands of people and like yeah, how do they make that work
0: it's not uh it's not a like addition it's it's exponential yeah. for each
2: additional person, and that's why I guess human resources departments exist, yeah, yeah.
1: well, Adam. What about you know? What new tools are you using? Whether it's a uh, on the Mac or on iOS. I mean, what what apps do we need to be knowing about? You know, what what just is fun and delightful?
2: Sure. Okay. Um, so I'm just going through my my dock and in, in, on my Mac, um, and I have a bunch. I have probably thirty apps in my in my dock. Far too many. Anytime somebody sees my Mac, they're like, whoa, too many. Too many are you apps.
0: a zoomer? Do you zoom them? Um, you-
2: I do, but not very much. Just, en- just enough to be delightful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, the one that pops out to me is um, something that I find very useful a lot that maybe not all Mac people know about is is called Beamer. Do you guys know Beamer?
1: Oh, That's an AirPlay app, right?
2: Yeah, the AirPlay app. Um, and it solves a problem that we, we have quite often, which is like in, in the main office here, we have a big screen on the wall with a projector. And sometimes we like to show stuff on, you know, on the projector. And like, how do you do that? We don't burn DVDs and put them in the DVD player anymore. We don't have an HDMI cable hooked directly up to the Mac to that projector. Um, and, it, you know, and it used to be that the, the, the way you would do that is put it in iTunes and then airplay it out or something. But Beamer just makes it really easy to, it's a, it's, it's a very simple interface. You launch the app, it brings out, uh, it brings up like a container window basically for the clip that you want to play. You tell it, there's an Airplay drop down menu in it and you select which, um, Airplay device you want to play out to. You drop your file right in that window and it'll just start playing and you've got player controls obviously, but it's pretty solid. The, the the connectivity of it. it doesn't drop out as nearly as much as, um, iTunes does um, or any, or, you know, we all know it can be a headache, of course, network dependency issues, but um, it can be a headache to play out of your iPhone to uh, your iOS device to AirPlay. So Beamer just makes that process pretty, um, pretty, uh, pretty solid. Um, I I only know about Beamer because when I was on the, I was on the talk show back in 2012, and I was talking about how I used something called AirParrot, which was another AirPlay uh, AirPlay yeah. app at the time. Um, and talking about just kind of the latency issues and stuff. And these developers, their names are Ilko Limpsink and Ben Leonard's, uh, and I've met them a couple of times since at different conferences. But they emailed me and said, "Hey, we're developing this thing, Beamer. Do you want a beta of it?" And it like it worked from from the get go. It worked and. Back then, they even had a plugin that you could play out, play out YouTube and Vimeo clips, but they disabled that because it's too hard to do. Um, but nice. yeah, it's a good one. It's I wouldn't would I call it delightful? I mean, the ability to play a large piece of video content through the air wirelessly is the stuff of dreams. You know, that's you know, ten years ago, we would never have imagined that we could do that. That was science fiction. Um, and so by that token, yeah, that's delightful. It makes you wonder what kind of stuff we assume can't
0: happen now that in a few years is going to be available to us. Well, what do you have in mind? Well, I think of video in general. There's a big stumbling block for video because of the file sizes. And you were talking about 4K earlier. It's yeah. only going to get bigger. But, you know, why
2: can't we have all of our video anywhere we want, anytime we want? True. I think that anything that we've, that the... We ask, why doesn't it work? And the answer is bandwidth limitations. That's probably going to be solved. Yeah. Um, There's a company um, called uh, Paper... Shoot, let me look it up. Sorry, Paper... Paper Space. Paper Space. Yeah, a company called Paper Space. It's a startup, and I think they launched at TechCrunch Disrupt. I'm not really sure, but they, they've got a lot of heat on them. And they're making basically like a virtual computer that you can run in any in, in any monitor. It's um trying to think how it works. But essentially imagine that you had you could go to your monitor and with your keyboard and mouse start using the most powerful you know, computer, a workstation that existed and it's on a server somewhere. Yeah, there pitches your entire computer in the cloud. Yeah, in the cloud. So it runs any app that you needed to with all the processing power that you needed to. You're never, you're not limited by the things that we would con, that constrain us in in the hardware that, that sits on our desk or, or on our lap. And when you think about like the new MacBook, which is power constrained, mm-hmm.
0: you know, maybe this is a win version of the future where you're just offloading it. I mean, we talked about that stuff like in the '80s and '90s, it's, sure. You know, but maybe it's going to happen now. Who knows? You got any other applications that that uh, listeners may not know
2: about that they should? Yeah, I'm going to my home screen now, and I'm going. Um, hmm. <laughs> are are Give me using
0: the iPhone 6, or what iPhone are you on these yeah, days?
2: Yeah, I'm still on the 6. Um, On the the mid-generation ones, the S's, yeah. I, d- I tend not to get super excited and you know, stand in line. I'll I'll give it a few months and then think, oh yeah, it'd be fun to have a new iPhone. But I <laughs> honestly, again, I don't, I don't, uh, I didn't watch the keynote. I don't even know yeah. really what's new about yeah, it. You're not missing anything. It's fine. Okay. No, okay. no okay.
1: need for a 6S.
2: <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Um... Yeah, I don't. the The app that I use every day is not going to be relevant to most of your listeners, but it's called Jazz Radio, and it's just a quick and easy way to get streams of jazz in all of the different subgenres of jazz. That oh, wait a uh, second, this is really now. See now, you've made
1: a problem.
0: Oh, oh, I didn't know. Are you a jazz fan? I'm a huge jazz fan. Yeah. Okay, you and I will. We will talk. We'll go see some jazz together. Yeah. So uh, rest, I I subscribe to Phil Woods. I don't know. If you <laughs> knew oh that. no!
2: Did he did, did he die? Yeah,
0: he just passed away
2: last oh, Phil Woods. everybody. Anyway, um, uh, well, so yeah, okay. jazz radio. I subscribe to the, the premium of the service, that, which gives you higher bandwidth, um, really clean sound. But really, like the problem with listening to jazz radio lower cast lowercase jazz radio in the radio is that you get, it's like an all-in-one bundle. Like if I don't like soft jazz, they're going to play soft jazz and I'm going to turn off the radio. uh, Yeah. Um, And if I don't like blues or Dixieland necessarily, they're going to play that too. But with jazz radio, if you're, if you're, uh, if you know like what genres you like, you just pick those and they've got like 20 or 30 of them. Is is post-bop one of them? Um, They've got bop, but they don't have post-bop. West Coast maybe? Sure. They have cool, it's called cool jazz. They call it cool jazz. All right. Okay.
0: I'm in <laughs> Well, see now that that was the most important one of the show for me. Now I'm going to have to go subscribe go. to that jazz radio. Anyway, Adam, it's so nice having you back on the show. And, and really, I, I live vicariously through you. I watch the new ads you guys put out. They're all amazing. And I love saying, I know that guy, you know, it's <laughs> one of, you're one of those people in my life that I say, I know. And um, congratulations Thank to you, all David. your well-earned success and, And, you know, it's fun hearing you as you grow the business and you use just as much care and thought as you do growing your business as you do making your your ads for your customers
2: and your clients. That means a lot. Thank you.
1: It's been a lot of fun having you here, Adam, and certainly you're you're welcome back anytime. And uh, we uh, we'll have links to everything that you talked about in this episode and our show notes that you can find at relay.fm/mpu/283 slash for this particular episode. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. The show is Mac Power Users. I'm Katie Floyd. David is Max Sparky. And Adam, where can people find you on Twitter?
2: On Twitter, I'm Lonely Sandwich, and lonely sandwich. Uh, the company has the Twitter account Sandwich. And, how did you um, do that? How did you get that account? Um, you know, somebody had it and I said, um, and he was, lo- he was actually in LA. I wrote, I, I found out who he was and I wrote to him and I said, I'm going to make you one offer. And if you say no, it's okay. Yeah. And I think the offer was like $500. Yeah. And I paid him for it. And he, he was, he needed the money and he was just leaving town that day to like move to Seattle or something. Yeah. Came by my <laughs> office and I gave him, a, he gave yeah. me the password and I gave him a check and we shook hands. Oh, nice. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. And, and sandwichvideo.com. Sandwich video dot com, um, And that's where all of our work is and we have fun. And,
0: and you look nice today. I forgot to mention, uh, you, look nice today. you know. It's still in semi-production. Sometimes you guys are putting still shows a thing.
2: out. Still, still mates. Um, still making it happen when we when we can find the time. And we just did a show. We just did a live show at um, XOXO, which you were there for, David. It was awesome. Yeah, it was, great. it was a really fun one. I think probably the most fun we've had on the stage together. And that should be going out to an audience as well. That should that they recorded that we didn't even know they were, but they recorded it and um, we'll put it in our feed. All right. Well, we'll see you all
0: next week. And Adam, we'll see you again soon. And once again, thanks again.
2: Thanks, David. Thanks, Katie. This has been fun.